Hello and welcome to Hugcast, aka Conversations Over a Brew. My name is Patrick Fox from Heart of Glass. We are an arts organisation based in St Helens, Merseyside. And broadly speaking, we support artists and communities to go on creative journeys together and make art. Hogcast is a series of intimate recorded conversations exploring the stories of the people we make art with. They are typically recorded in St Helens over a brew. So much goes into the making of a new artwork that you might not ever get to see or experience. So these conversations are a window into the process of making work. Behind any great artwork, and no matter the art form, there always exists a network of relationships between people and typically lots of tea. This podcast is about the power of listening and conversation and how making art can bring us together and create change. This podcast was recorded before measures relating to COVID-19 have affected how we interact with one another, so it was recorded in person. The themes, however, seem more relevant than ever. In this, our second episode, the focus is on art and work. This is a really fascinating conversation between artist Michelle Brown and Gary Connolly. Gary is an ex-miner and a bit of an all-round local legend and good egg here in St. Helens, And Michelle is an interdisciplinary artist we've had the good fortune of working with over the last number of years. Gary and Michelle have been working together on an upcoming project titled World of Work, which is a new cooperative game and exploration of labour histories and futures, where the aim is to achieve a collective win. In this broad-ranging conversation, they touch on the employment history of Pilkington's Glass here in St. Helens, stories of mining, how Gary met his wife, the changing nature of work, It feels super relevant and is a great listen. So without further ado, I'll shut up and you can enjoy our second Hogcast. Let us know what you think. When did we first meet? Um, You was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. (laughs) That much is true. Is that line from a song? God, it's only. <laughs> we, 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 we first met when I was doing the, when I was making the tour for the Pilkingtons building, I think, which was years ago. That's correct. I think that was the first time mm, we met. That's right, um, yeah. And for that project, I, I, they were putting me in touch with different people who were kind of connected to, um, different kind of ways of working or people who were working in different sectors and particularly things that had kind of, you know, industries that had stopped in the town, Mm. if I remember correctly. And I remember you talking to me a lot about, um, about being down the mines and kind of what the job was like. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember that? I certainly do, yeah. Because I have um, a fascination with the Pilkington building. Mm. And it's really funny now because I've gone back working with public health. Mm. And they have a team within that building now. So to go back there, because that's where I didn't mm. meet my wife in that building. Yeah. But she used to work in, in that building. Did she? She, she was um, a PA for one of the one of the top guys there. And um, I used to pick her up every night from work because I finished earlier than what she did. And um, I cannot tell you about how big an employer Pilkington's was, and especially that building, because there was no um, there was no com- proper computers then. Everything had to be typed up, mm. and uh, they, you know she tells me some stories sometimes about um, they used to have. Um, 
a, a, a photocopying room with a photocopying operator. So you would go with a piece of paper and say, can I have a thousand copies of that? Mm. Or, well, now we just do it yeah, uh, yeah, ourselves, yeah. Uh, don't we? Yeah. So everything had to be filed, everything had to be typed up uh, manually. So it's nice to go back into that building now. Yeah, and, that and was kind of a fascinating thing about being doing that project is that we got to uh, like go in through all of those parts of the building and the tour kind of brought people through different segments of it. And I guess within that it was kind of trying to also work through this idea about how work has changed over the over the kind of centuries what centuries but de, um in in St Helens because it's like your classic kind of you know industrial revolution town Absolutely. and then now it's kind of in this post mm-hmm. post industrial kind of um process of kind of figuring out what it is That's right, yeah. um which and i remember you talking about what it was like to work down the mine and the group of people that you worked with and you described really well to me like what it was like to go down the shaft and then to go in along the kind of the ground level that you were at yeah Yeah. and then hit the coal face and you were you talked really nice like it was kind of amazing to hear about it so I can't even imagine it you know (laughs) I remember just going Jesus I I don't know if I'd be able for that but the camaraderie sounded really special you know I mean it's just um it's just a unique industry that really the skills aren't transferable. You know, everything is very unique mm-hmm. about, about working at a colliery, the health and safety conditions that you have to adhere to and the knowledge that you would you, you, you have to have. Because, I mean, I just, I think the, the Victorians were just an, an absolutely fabulous um, um, sort of era of engineering. And they, of course, um, discovered steam engines and the Industrial Revolution. And it was amazing that in, in the initial days, they used to use wood to fire the steam engines up to provide the power. And of course, they was quickly running out of wood because they were chopping all the trees down. So they had to f- find another mineral that would produce uh, that steam. Mm. And of course, that was coal. And then they, they found out that it was going to need it in great quantities. Mm. So to find that out, they had to go down 2,000 feet. Just to give you an example of a coal mine, Blackpool Tower, we've all seen Blackpool Tower, um, it's 500 feet tall. Coal mine is 2,300 feet deep. It's the equivalent of five Blackpool Towers. And that's where the great resources of coal lay. And St. Helens, we had it in abundance. Mm. So we had the knowledge and, and we had the facilities to get all this coal out. So on the back of that, places like Pilkington's, that, well, they came here because they had access to the power and the sand mm. that, that is needed to create, to create glass. And that place at Pilkington's, uh, the head office mm. at Pilkington's, is where a guy called Sir Alistair Pilkington discovered how to make float glass. And float glass is, is windows mm. in great, great quantities. And he devised this very simplistic approach of oil on water, molten glass, producing, you know, um, hardened glass mm. in vast quantities. So not only do I find that is a fabulous building, it's just rich, so rich in, in heritage. Did you find that when you was working in Yeah, there? I guess um, 
Yeah, I was really spent, like I I was researching kind of like how the company worked and kind of like I've been to the museum and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of amazing that all of that innovation came out of this area, I mm. think, as well. Um, and because when I would talk to people, like I'd go home to Ireland and they'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, I'm working in this place called St. Helens and I'm looking at this company called... Pilkingtons, and they were like, "Oh yeah, Pilkingtons glass," and it was like people knew it um, really well. It was really recognisable. Um, but and the thing that I was really, I suppose, then really interested in was just talking to all the people that worked in it, some of the people who worked in the building still, and how they had been connected to the company, and how their relationship to the company had changed over time, which is really synonymous with the way that work had changed as well. You know, Massive to go yeah. from being part of the company to be someone who was kind of um, hired in by the company. So that happened with the postal staff and with the deliveries and all of those kind of um, different services that could be outsourced, basically. Um, And that, in a a way, is kind of, I suppose, part of, um, I suppose, part of kind of what interested me then about kind thinking further about this idea of work or how we work or how people work in St. Helens. Because obviously there's there's huge levels of unemployment um, in the area. And kind of, I remember you talking to me about the, the difference between different people who had worked in the coal mine. And I suppose it's kind of also similar to people who would have worked in that company as well. Like you become very familiar with one thing that you know, you're very good at it, but you might not necessarily, like you say, have these transferable skills that will allow you to do something else. Right. So you, you, I remember you talking about the different the different paths that your colleagues went on, mm-hmm. and That's and simple. that also being kind of, I suppose, quite um, interesting to think about what the kind of I suppose what are the conditions or what are the things that impact your ability to be employable, and I suppose. Mm. That yeah, when you talked about um, how because you had ended up doing accounts or doing some kind of paperwork as part of the work in the coal mine, that's right. that that meant that you had mm. some skills that you could um, yeah transfer over. That's yeah, right. we that um, you're right in, in in exactly what you're saying, and that's why I loved your you know your project so much, is because um, life takes you on a certain route sometimes. And to take it off in a different way, perhaps it's got a lot to do with your background, your education, look, yeah. you know. And that's what I loved about what you was what you was trying to do because I'd seen it at the Colorado. I'd seen people brought up literally within fifty yards, fifty meters of the Colliery Gates because uh, it had its village, own village attached to it, and I've seen them. Um, have an apprenticeship, you know, uh, serve the time there, have an occupation, and then all of a sudden it was just whipped away from them. And some people never worked again. Mm. Some people couldn't transfer that skill, that ability over to anything else. Because we met again then after the Pilkingtons thing, after that project, then when I was kind of researching for um, mm. what has become world work, and um, I remember I was meeting all these people who were kind of doing training courses or kind of working in different areas and thinking about how do you get this idea of getting people work ready, and yeah. um, and I, I like it's it's such an interesting thing because work is changing so much and. 
what people are doing, kind of how you work, all of that stuff is changing Massive, really yeah. rapidly, yeah. Massive. And like, whereas, you know, you're talking about that, like a systems change from being kind of like, you know, analog to digital, let's say. That's right, and yeah. whereas now we're also working from kind of like ideas around permanency or um, like even having a fixed place to go to work. It, like it's all turning into this kind of re- like super flexible kind of almost like actually precarious way of working, yeah. you know. Um, There's one thing we couldn't do in the pit. Yeah. And that is work from home. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's the thing because that's one of the one of the um, one of the cards in the game. Um, so in the board game, there's a whole set of cards, and they all have different things that impact the workers who are that are on the board, and you're mm. trying to keep them in work. And one of the cards is like, okay, you have to pick the certain jobs that you think might be able to work from home. And actually, yeah. there's so many people that can't work from home, but this kind of shift or demand for us to kind of to not have to provide certain things like a place to work from it's kind of interesting um like i i teach art as well and i remember um i remember uh, a guy came in to talk to us he he became the interim director of the college that i was that i work at and he came in he was talking to us about how surgeons were learning how to do surgery through videos and um, just watching them. And he was kind of like, I wonder why, could we teach art that way? I was like, oh my God, like horrified. (laughs) You know, just horrified because um, I suppose also for me, it's like, I'm also really drawn to the experience of meeting people and understanding people and that's bringing right. them into the way, yeah. in it, bring well, them into the process of making things right. as well. Well, that's a big question to you now. Mm. What was your inspiration behind this, this, this project, this game? What, what 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 triggered it off? Was there a certain moment that you were somewhere and, and you and you thought, bang, I want to do this. This is inspired me. Well, after I had done the tour in Pilkington's, it was very clear that that, that like it was the start of something, you know. And I was talking to Patrick Fox, who's the um, director of Heart Class, and mm-hmm. it was just like it was like it was clear it wasn't finished. We'd only just kind of scratched the surface of it. Yeah. And then as I was doing, like he basically said, okay, we'll. We'll do some more, you come over and do some more research. And I met lots of different people. And I've heard um, about this board game that they use in schools to encourage children to be interested in work. Mm. And it's um, it's like an enterprise game. Um, but it, it, it like it's kind of like a standard board game in that you roll dice and you're moving things around a board. And it's competitive, so someone wins, basically. Mm. Um, and... I was kind of interested in what it was actually teaching the young people and how it related to really what they were going to be confronted with when they went out to try and work, even if they go to college or even if they finish their their um, education in secondary school. Like the kinds of things that they'd be confronted with that they might not even be aware that they're going to be confronted with. Um, And then also, at the same time, um, I was learning about just how the council had been kind of moving more towards this kind of being a logistics hub and this idea of having warehouses on the outskirts and it being this kind of warehousing hub um, in the the north. Um, And they have a course now on the in St. Helens College that's like a logistics course so you can do certain you can learn certain things about it but they have a board game that teaches also how 
what you do in a warehouse, how it relates to what's going on in the world. So you're yeah. looking at how things get moved around the world and how right. you're part of a bigger wow. thing. So it seemed like um, it seemed like a, a kind of a no-brainer to think about. Okay, well, how might we think about a board game that would talk about some more of the intricacies and also thinking about other forms of board games. So again, both of those board games were kind of roll the dice, move things around the board. Whereas um, I had just been researching kind of um, cooperative board games and thinking about how um, actually, you know, a society only works if we kind of work together, you know. When, we're, mm. when everybody is kind of working against each other, it, it actually means that only certain people win. So we see that now with the fact that, you know, the 1% um, basically own the majority of the wealth. And that is also because it's people working against each other rather than with each other. And so it was interesting thinking about how you would form a, a game that would look at that. Um, so yeah, it was those kinds of things that kind of um, made it become very apparent that it was a board game that was needed. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so the process then was just um, working with these um, design students in the college to look at how you would design a board game um, and thinking about like what's the process to how you would build all the different elements from it. So um, yeah, lo looking at what are the kind of questions within it and how do we even think about work? So we like talked also about the kinds of jobs that the people that they know do or the jobs that they were doing as their part-time job and thinking about how those jobs stood in society, you know, like who has, you know, a greater level of pride, who is kind of revered for the job that they do. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you think with your, with your your game now, do you think that could inspire people? Um, I think, like, for me, I'm really interested in just um, having a slightly different conversation about what, how we prepare, particularly young people, for work or how we think about work and the fact that there are so many things that, like, there are controllable things and there are uncontrollable things, there's known things and then there's the, you know, there's the unknown unknowns, if you know what I mean, um, that are, are going to impact on people's working life. And it's kind of like, you know, this notion that like, okay, you know, you go and you study your course and you'll get a job and it, it does, it's, it no longer kind of follows these linear paths and that like often, you know, I'm often saying to my students, you know, like, what do you, what's your, or like, what kind of hobbies do you have? Because you just don't know the way that things come together is no longer just one, one thing. And so I'm interested in kind of, you know, having conversations about, okay, well, we know there's like a climate you know, we know climate change is here mm. and on the way and that's also going to impact the way we're going to have to work, the way we're going to have to think about how we do everything. Mm -hmm. So how is that going to impact, like if we're trying to keep people in employment, how is that actually going to impact the way the people work? Right, yeah, right. That kind of, just even because that's going to be one of the major things and automation is another one. But then just simple things like, you know... Um, like political things if you you know if you live in a country where the far right for example they you know the far right become come into power or rise then you're going to have more levels of discrimination which means that if you're from a minority background you that might impact yes. your ability to yeah. work so it's just trying to understand 
all of the complexities of it. It's kind of like, let's have a slightly more nuanced conversation about what it means to try and work and to keep people at work because mm. there are all these different things that are impact you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And d- d- what's your feedback been from, from your students and from people who's, who's, who's played the game? What's been the feedback? Yeah, for, uh, the feedback's been really interesting. Like, most people kind of really enjoy playing the game because it's, you know, you end up having kind of interesting conversations about, like, oh, right, okay, yeah. Who Who's the person now that's going to be most impacted by, you know, a reduction in disposable income, for example? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so if we now all have way less money, what? who are the people whose employment's going to reduce because we no longer have extra money in our pockets after we pay all our bills and it's like thinking about those kinds of things they're not conversations that you generally have um or start to it's kind of like nearly future imagining Mm. kind of how you might be impacted i say all that but i also think that you should follow your you should really try and follow the gut of uh, you know what what really excites you or what you're really interested in i think that's really important um but it is important to be aware that these things are out, that these things are kind of out there and they might impact the way that you work and you need to be thinking about them. And particularly for young people, because I think sometimes the the way that we talk to young people about work is still this idea that like you work hard and you'll you know it doesn't it doesn't follow. You also have to pay attention to what's going on in the world and yeah. think about how what your position in the world is and how also it relates to politics. How do you relate to what is going on? Because the government policies are going to impact your ability to, to do things. And mm. we see that. Um, we, we see that through kind of like cuts, the austerity that we've seen in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, all of these things, Brexit, like, you know, mm. all these things are going to have a huge impact on people's ability to work. Mm-hmm. So it's not just... I'll work really hard and then I'll get a job. It, it's yeah. all of the stuff you have to consider. And, you know, rather, not in a way that it's supposed to be overwhelming, but it's just to start to change the conversation a bit around mm. it, I think. What a pity we can't predict the future, isn't it? <laughs> well, and look at us now, like, like with the, you know, the coronavirus, like that's another thing that like nobody saw coming and... We're like already, you know, the global economy has been hit by it and that will have a knock on effect in smaller areas. I'm sure logistics hubs here Mm. will be impacted because they won't be able to be getting stuff from China or whatever. You know, it's all those. It's the knock on effect. Board games are very good for that kind of stuff. 